Pray with me this morning. Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be here. Lord, for the opportunity to be inside this building and the opportunity to call on the name of Jesus Christ for salvation, for forgiveness of sin, for eternal life. God, it is a privilege and a blessing. I pray, God, that we would not neglect that. With all the good things that we have going on with, with celebration of what you've done and Lord, just accomplishing this renovation and just being here, Lord, we don't want to forget you. We don't want to forget that you're the reason why over a hundred years ago there was a revival held here in Mayo that started this church. Because there were men and women who felt your Holy Spirit press on their hearts and convict them of sin and call them to change their lives to be a part of something so much bigger than what they were before. It's so important for us to remember that the calling hasn't changed. That your spirit hasn't changed. Your, your word hasn't changed. That we're here today and your same spirit calls out to us over a hundred years later to a totally different group of people to be holy, to repent of our sins, to turn to you, to follow you, and to be a part of your church that you established. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see the importance of that this morning. And Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to celebrate. We thank you for the opportunity to, to see good things happening. But God, more important than physical stuff, Jesus, we know that your Holy Spirit needs to work and move or all this other stuff is absolutely useless. So God, we pray that you would be here among us today. That God, you would not only be present in this place, <clears throat> that people would not only feel you in this moment in time, but God, that we would feel you in our hearts. God, we would sense you speaking to us and nudging us and drawing us to you. And because of your spirit, we don't even have to be here. There are people who are watching. There are people who will watch this and listen to it later on that your spirit can work and move even then. Because you are that powerful. You transcend time. You transcend all the laws of the world that we understand. You are above and beyond all that. And that's why we can put our trust and faith in you to guide us in this life and to guide us into eternity. Jesus, I just want to lift Greg Edmonds up to you this morning. I just want to say a special prayer for him. You know that situation. I just pray, God, that you would be with them. Guide them. Be with us during this time. Be with our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here today. Whether it be physical, spiritual, 
No matter what's going on in their life, we ask that you'd be with them right now, that they would feel your presence and know that they have a family of brothers and sisters in Christ that are thinking about them and praying for them even right now. Jesus, we love you, and we ask all this in your son's heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to dare try to get this guy to come up here this morning because I think he would kill me if I did this. So I'm just going to say his name in recognition. But everything that you see inside and out um, is done uh, basically as as initiation from one person mostly. And there's been a lot of people to come and chip in with all this stuff, done a lot of work around here. Thank you to everyone. If I don't call your name, don't be offended. We would be here the rest of the day if we did this, and we've we've spent enough time doing this this morning. But Culpamine is our, um, he, he he's the guy. I mean, he he's our trustee. Basically, his responsibility is just to make sure all this stuff has happened. And since this all this project has taken place, he has acted as our general contractor. And I don't know how much building experience any of you have, but a general contractor a general contractor is someone who comes in and basically just heads up your project to do things that you just don't know needs to be done. And they take 15% off of everything. That's just like the minimal, 15%. Every piece of uh, material that's bought, everybody that comes in and does a job, they automatically make 15% of that cut right offhand. And I, I, w- I want you to understand the amount of time, you know, like what started out as a couple-month project, and then, you know, us as church leaders, we just like, oh, well, let's do this, and let's do this, and let's do this. While we're doing this, let's do this. And we just kept throwing stuff on, and what turned into a couple-month project ended up being like a seven-month project. Um, what started out as a few thousand dollars ended up being tens of thousands of dollars. And uh, so I just want you to know, make sure that if you appreciate what you see here today, you let him know. Because he, he's lived up here. <laughs> Brandy's, I don't know if Brandy actually jokes or not, but she's always glad when he stays busy. She says he stays busy and out of her hair. So she's been real happy the past several months, and Colt's been real busy. But um, make sure that you, you show him your appreciation of it. He's probably going to choke me after this. Uh, I would not bring him up here. Very grateful for him and all the many things that he does around the church. All the things that y'all do, this would not be possible without y'all. And so, please know that the faithfulness of the people of God are the ones who make sure that the church continues to do what God has called it to do. So, thank you for doing that. Now, are you ready for a sermon? I am. I'm tired of crying. I had a wedding this weekend. Cried too much. Y'all know, like, I just cry. So, anyway, we're on our last sermon of a herd mentality. And we've been talking the past several weeks about how important it is to be a part of the herd, to be a part of God's body, the church. And uh, why that's so important for us as believers, not only for us to benefit from, but for others to benefit from. 
And today, the title of our sermon is Strengthen, Support, and Sustain. And it's so important for us as believers to realize that being a part of the body of Christ is not just about what we can get out of it, because it is very important that we do receive from the body of Christ. We need that. It, God set up the church. Jesus Christ set up the church. He sent the Holy Spirit. The disciples established the church. You can read the New Testament. It's all about establishing the church and making sure that the early churches don't fall apart. That's what we get all of our New Testament scripture from. The church is vitally important. And it's not just about what we receive from the church, but also what we give to the church, what we give to the herd. And you look around you this morning, there's people in this room that you probably don't even know. You, you don't even know their name. This might be the first time they've been here. They may have been coming for a few months and you just haven't had the chance to meet them yet. And sometimes we're living in a, in a generation today where it's just awkward to go up and just talk to people. Like people just don't do that anymore. And so for whatever reason, I want you to realize this morning that you look around this room and anyone who claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ, if they claim to be a Christian, if they say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I want to spend eternity with him, you need to know that you have an obligation and responsibility to that person. It is a heavy calling that God has placed on every single one of our lives as a Christian. And in America, we get so wrapped up in this idea of making sure that I'm where I need to be, that I'm doing my Bible study, that I'm getting my new devotional book, and, I'm, and this is what I'm doing, and I'm listening to this podcast, or I love this song. And it, it's become this such a personalized thing that we've really lost the whole aspect of being a family inside the body of Christ, of being a herd and really looking out for one another and protecting one another. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 is going to be our focus scripture today. And it's probably one of the most convicting passages of scripture that, that I've ever read in the New Testament. But it says, Paul writes to the church in Philippi, he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Now, now just think about this. He, he's asking these rhetorical questions, but think about these questions and, and apply these to your life right now. When we read this, make this personal. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And we could stop right there, and we could spend weeks on that passage just talking about all the ways that the church fails in those few things. But we'll continue on with verse 3 for the sake of it. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. And this is really hard because we live in a culture and a society where everything is about making an impression. You ever, you ever heard it's not, it's not like we're trying to impress everybody, but we got to make a good first impression. It counts. You know, it's like there's a lot of pressure when it comes to that. But don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. That's not normal. But that's what we're called to do. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. 
you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And notice that as he's calling these people to love and care for one another, it's not just a matter of this is what you should do because, because it's the right thing. He says, you have to have the same attitude that Jesus had in doing this. And you look at Jesus, how did he do this? It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So, so as Jesus was better than everyone, as he was perfect, as he did have the right to elevate himself above others and to be a leader above others, he did not think of that right as something that he clung to, but he released that. He gave it up freely so that he may serve. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And when you look at us as Americans and, and you think about what our culture really pushes us to do, what it teaches us to do, what it, how it teaches us to improve, and there are good things in improving ourselves and, and, and advancing ourselves in the workplace and financially, and, and I'm not preaching against all that stuff. What I'm talking about is, is the understanding of how we view and interact with one another as believers in Jesus Christ. And not only as with, with our fellow brothers and sisters, but even with people in the world, with sinners, with people in the world who don't agree and live like we do. And there's a calling on our life to be like Jesus. So point number one, you're called to strengthen one another. It's simple, it's easy, but it's hard to do. Write it down. Remember this. Like This is something like you are called to do by Jesus Christ. You're called to strengthen one another. Not only are your church family, your brothers and sisters in Christ, supposed to strengthen you, but you are supposed to strengthen them. It's a reciprocating effect. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Solomon writes, As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens a friend. There's an expectation that you are with people who are going to make you better. Now, let me, let me share this with you this morning. Inside the body of Christ, you should have relationships with one another that's going to specifically improve your relationship with Christ. There are people inside this church who, if you hang out with them, they will deteriorate your relationship with Christ. You with me? I talked with a pastor last night. And he was talking about how one, one of the daughters that he had like was going back to their old church from where they had moved because she had friends there. And, and it's like you would think, well, oh, well, she has friends at church. Like, no, those friends, he was saying those friends don't love Jesus and it's not very good for her. There can be people inside the church that you can spend time with and hang out with and they not strengthen your relationship with Christ. They can dull you. You know, if you take iron and iron and you beat it against one another, it can dull each other. You with me? But if you use it the right way, you can sharpen one another. You, you can improve one another. And we need to do that as believers in Christ. You know, we talked about Cain and Abel last week. In the story, it's, it's one of the first sins in the Bible. And God comes down and says, Cain, where's your brother Abel? He's like, I'm not my brother's keeper. But we are absolutely 100% our brother and sister's keeper. We are. When you look inside this room right now, again, there are people in here that you may not know that you don't feel connected to at all. It does not mean that you are not responsible and obligated to them. As believers in Christ, we are called to one another. 
Philippians 2, 1 through 8, what we just read a second ago, talks about the responsibility that we have for one another. To agree with one another. That's hard. Some of you can't even agree, just two of you. And then you get 100 people together and you say, okay, what can we agree on? It's difficult. Like we have board meetings, there's nine board members. It's really hard to agree on stuff. But we're called to agree, to love one another, to work with one another, to put each other first, to take interest in others, and to serve others just as Christ served. He did not cling to his ability to be God, but gave it up freely and became a slave and a servant. And that's what we're called to do. And some of us are sitting here this morning, it's like, you mean like I'm supposed to just be a servant, like be a slave to other people? Yeah, that's what Jesus did. You want to be a follower of Jesus, you got to do what Jesus did. He's the one who got down and washed their feet. He's the one that hung on the cross, died a criminal's death for us. He's not calling us to do anything that he wouldn't be willing to do. Ephesians 4 Verses 14 through 16, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking about unity in the body. He says, then we will no longer be immature like little children. The New Testament is quite fascinating. Like, you know, you think, oh, the disciples and all these people had all this stuff figured out, and they were killing it, and they were, and they were growing like leaps and bounds, and God was doing some amazing things in the New Testament, but they had their problems. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Anybody worried about the gospel being watered down? Anybody worried about churches just kind of like not really following the teaching of the Bible and just doing crazy stuff and, you know, all these different pastors and you just don't know what's going on. You don't know what they were having the same problem 2000 years ago. We're not facing anything new that wasn't already done. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow. Now you think about that. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, okay, like I want to be faithful to Christ. I want to live like he wants me to. I, I want to follow him. I want to help others. I want to do that. You need to understand that there are callings that all of us have on our life. There's gifts. There's things that God has given us the ability to do that he did not give everybody to do. And you can read throughout scripture. We can go through spiritual gifts. We can talk about all this stuff, but everybody cannot do the same thing. You with me? We just can't. If everybody does the same thing, it's like you're just taking two pieces of iron and you're beating them against each other. And before you know it, you got two dull pieces of iron. But if you take every part and it does what it's supposed to do and you use it the right way, it sharpens one another. It helps one another grow. As everything does and fits the way it should and it does its part, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You with me this morning? This is difficult. Because we, we focus so much on our personal relationship with Christ, on trying to get, to get sin out of our life and serve Him and do what He's called us to do. And so many times we neglect so heavily our responsibility to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We neglect our church body. We neglect love. We neglect the unity that God has called us to. 
And we can't forget this morning that we are absolutely called to strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. You are. You can't make people do it. You with me? You can't force them. You cannot sit down and make people grow in their relationship with Christ. You can't force them to go to church. You can't force them to read their Bible. You cannot make this happen. But what you need to do is you need to align yourself, okay? You know, have you ever watched Survivor? They like weird show on TV where they go out on the island. They like pretend like they're sick and dying and they just fight each other the whole time. You got to align yourself with people that have common interests with you. You got to build camaraderie with people who, who love Jesus and who want to grow with him. And, and I know I, I've been to church times in my life in, in the past before I got saved where I was there. I didn't care nothing about the Lord. I went to church because it was like you were supposed to do. Sometimes I was made to go. Sometimes I just went with a friend. And there are people here who aren't going to have that same interest in growing in Christ with you. But you need to find people who are. Align yourself with them. Grow in your relationship with Christ. You need to have Bible studies among yourselves. You need to have times where you get with people and you pray with people, where you, you love on each other, you pray for one another, you share prayer requests. That needs to be happening outside of church. It doesn't just need to happen here once a week. It's not enough. We are responsible for one another. And I don't know about you guys, but you know when you think about children, the whole learning process for us as individuals, everybody always learns better, and we learn the most by learning from others. You know, it's like, what do you do when you want your kids to learn something? You send them to school. You go put them around other people. You go, you go send them with other people who know more than we do sometimes to teach them how to do things. We learn the most with other people and by other people. Point number two, we're called to support one another. And so much of our Christian, so much of Christianity in our culture has been tainted and stained by what so many people disagree on. That's true. You look at a lot of people who don't go to church and they don't affiliate themselves with a church. And there are a lot of people who claim to be believers in Christ who will not affiliate themselves with a church because of the stain and the disagreements and the disunity that happens inside the body of Christ. And they just don't want anything. They don't want to be a part of it. You hear people say all the time, I just, I don't like the politics in church. I don't like the arguments. You know, denominations can't agree on anybody. People in the church can't agree on anything. Members can't agree on anything. And yes, it is exhausting. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before, but if you can't get a group of people to, to get together and love one another and agree on stuff and be happy in their salvation, their relationship with God, you're going to be in trouble. And we're never, we cannot forget that we are called to support and not to divide. And I know there's some of you right now who are sitting here saying, but what if they're following the wrong things? What if they're doing the wrong things? Guys, I'm telling you, we have to be honest with each other. We're living in a day and time where we are getting to the point where we just need to be happy that there are people out there who's willing to even say that they believe in Jesus Christ. You ever think about that? Like it's not a matter of like being divided anymore. And I'm not saying that we should just accept false teachings and all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, is that when it comes 
to the body of Christ and loving one another and supporting one another. We need to be focused more on Jesus Christ and what's in common and supporting one another and gently leading people into the proper way of worshiping rather than disagreeing and arguing and fighting about things. In Romans 14, verses 17 through 19, Paul talks about the dangers of criticism as he writes to the church in Rome. He said, and one of the big things they were talking about was food. They were arguing over food. And in verse 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of focusing on what you should or shouldn't do, but it's a matter of focusing on living in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. You see it? And it wasn't the fact that there was things that weren't right there because as we said earlier, the early church and all the letters written in the New Testament are dealing with all the many problems that they were struggling with. But you look at the common theme from the apostles is they're constantly talking about unity, loving one another, building one another up, and not being focused on criticizing one another and tearing each other down. And if we were honest, we all have areas in our life. I mean, think about this. If someone followed you around with a video camera for a week, what would they find out about you to tear you down in your relationship with Christ? How many of you would be ashamed? I would. I was driving down the road last night yelling at people. Like, it's funny now, and as I was doing it then, I sit there and thought about it, I'm like, this is really sad. Like, it's funny, but it's not funny. And it's like, if people just saw you for that moment, like if someone who knew that I was a pastor saw the way that I was acting in the car last night, it's like, ha ha, it's funny now. It was not funny then, I was really mad then. And what would they have thought if I, like one of my church members would have been the one that I was yelling at? And it's like, everything's funny games, but if someone actually caught, like, followed us around, the truth is, is we all have shortcomings in our relationship with Christ. We all have things that we need to work on, things that we struggle with, things that we're dealing with in our life, and we have to be patient and loving with one another. And you, you know, inside the church, there's, this, there's stuff where people say, oh, well, people don't show enough reverence, and others, they'll say, well, they don't show enough grace. And others say, well, they're too spiritual. They're, they're so spiritual they aren't relevant. And others lack spirituality and they're irreverent. And then some are too liberal and some are too legalistic and, and this is too distracting and this is too boring. And, and if we sit up here and, and we talk about all the things that we could disagree on, we could just name thousands of different things that each individual says. One of the big jokes that we talked about, even as we were doing the building in here, is that every single person is going to walk in this room today and there's probably going to find one thing that they would have at least done different. And it's true. And it doesn't mean that this place isn't beautiful. It doesn't mean it wasn't done well. But when you have a hundred different people in here, like we would all do something just a little bit different. In our relationship with Christ, we should not be surprised when there are things in our, in our life, in our following of God, where we don't always necessarily agree on 100% of every little thing because not, you're not going to do it. And as much as you love your spouse, you've never agreed with them on everything. You probably argue with them more than anybody. But you love each other more than anybody, don't you? You should. Thank you, Henry. Got one. 
But in all seriousness, we, we are entering into a time and I think we really need to be aware of this as the church, that we are entering into a time in our culture, in our country, where we really just need to be thankful that people are willing to even say that they believe in Jesus Christ. It's getting that thin. It didn't used to be that way. 20 years ago, we could be picky, and we could squabble with one another. We're not the majority anymore. We have to be very careful in making sure that we are just happy that we have people who are claiming to believe in Jesus Christ. And yes, there will be things that we all have to work through. Different teachings that we have to work through, theologies that we have to work through. They're important. They need to be talked about. But we have to do it in a way that's loving and doesn't cause other people to stumble. Galatians 6 verses 1 through 5, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he's talking about caring for one another and being responsible for one another. Look at what he says this time. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone... You are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Don't you love that? That's a good passage. Number or Verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work. Then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. You with me today? You will stand before God. And you will give a personal account for the way that God has called you to live. Every conviction in your life, because there are things that God has convicted you of that he has not convicted someone else of. And if he's convicted you of it and he's called you to give it up, you will stand account for whether or not you are obedient to that. If God has called you to go and do something and you don't do that, you will stand accountable for that. We will all stand accountable for the things that God has called us to do. Some of us are called to do some things others are not. But what we are called to do is to be responsible for and love one another. He says, look, man, if you got brothers and sisters who are struggling, if they're falling away, you who are godly should go and bring them back. But look at what he says. He, he doesn't say fuss at them. He doesn't say beat them over the head. He doesn't say go last them and choke them as you drag them back. No, he says go and gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. But be careful that you don't fall into the same temptation because you're not as awesome as you like to think that you are. Because as people, we are weak. You know, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the body, the flesh, it's weak. We want to. People want to, but we're weak. We're responsible for one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 Paul talks about living as children of the light. And he says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And we laugh about it. And I was sitting there thinking like, man, the words that I was saying last night were really encouraging. As we was driving down the road. And poor Hannah just has to sit there in the car and smile. But as believers, we are called to give words of encouragement, to be good and helpful. Skip to verse 31. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, 
slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You see it? I mean, how many epistles do we have to go through? How many letters to the churches do we have to go through where it's talking about the love, the forgiveness, the patience, the gentleness that we're all called to have with one another? And guys, I'm going to tell you, you, you talk about the calling on your life to support one another. There are people out in the world who probably don't have any problem with believing in Christ. They probably would really like to put their hope and faith in Christ, but they're like one of their biggest issues that they're going to have to overcome is an experience that they've had with the church or with another Christian. And, and, and the negative experience that they have might be the main thing that is hindering them from truly surrendering to the Lord the way that God wants them to. And for you and I sitting here this morning, we're always so intimidated. It's like, well, I don't, I don't feel like I share the gospel well, and we're just not going out, and we're just not telling people about Jesus. One of the greatest testimonies that you will be able to give somebody is the way that you treat your brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the greatest testimonies that you will give somebody is the way that you treat a non-believer in Jesus Christ. Not what you tell them, not because you prepared this great gospel message in less than a minute, but the way that you treat one another. The way that you talk about your church. The way that you explain, like, you know, if you're talking about if you go home and you talk about all the squabbles that church has and all the things you disagree on, things you don't like, why would somebody come to something that you don't like? It has to be something that you believe in, that you love, that you, you feel called to. Point number three, we're called to sustain one another. You know, sustain is a really funny word. <clears throat> it's kind of a, a strong word. And so when you look at it, you think, you know, that's something that I feel like should be reserved for Christ. Like only Christ should really be able to sustain us. And, and you know, that, that's kind of a partial truth because Christ does sustain us. And he also gives us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain one another. And I think as believers this morning, we need to, we need to acknowledge that. We need to kind of claim that and cling to it. That, that Jesus wants to give you the ability to do things that even he did. You know, when he, he told the disciples, stay here, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll do even greater things than I have done. And so as believers in Christ, that, that you can, through the power of Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to sustain your brothers and sisters. And so when you look at what sustain actually means, it says to strengthen or support physically, mentally, or spiritually, so you're strengthening and supporting, which is really funny because those were points one and two. I did points one and two before I got to point number three and started doing this, so I just thought that was really cool. It also means to carry, to withstand, and to hold up or support. So if you sustain something, you carry it, you withstand it, you hold it up, support it. But it also means to undergo or to suffer. So like you could sustain injuries. So you suffered those injuries. Now, in a sense, if you sustain your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, think about what that word encompasses. It, it encompasses such a great deal of things that you should do for them as you sustain them. So it means that you support them physically, mentally, and spiritually. It means that you help carry them. 
You withstand them because there are going to be people in the church you just have to withstand. Right? Not everybody's pleasant, are they? Some of you withstand me. It's okay. Like, we withstand one another. There's people in your family you just withstand. There are people that you hold them up. But it also means that you suffer them. There are people that you suffer. Like, you just deal with them. You endure it. You, 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 there are people who are going to come into the body. There are people who are, that you're going to deal with in life that you have the opportunity. And one of the things I've been acutely aware of in my ministry days are the kids that like came into my youth group over the years, and I really liked them, and they were really fun to hang around. They were really fun to be with. Most of those kids were not super interested in Christ. And I would have loved to have been able to hang out with them and spend time with them because they were a lot of fun. It would have just been fun to do that. But it was always the kids who were like super annoying or super needy or had some major issues going on that really came in and they said, I want Jesus. I want to learn and grow. And those were the kids that you had to like spend the most time with and deal with and invest in those kids. And in a way, like you, you had to, you had to suffer them. Like you had to endure some, some unpleasantness. Like there were kids that we had come in the youth group. They smelled really bad. And so you, you might just have to suffer, you know, a dirty kid and you just help them out with their clothes and do stuff like that. And, or maybe they're just like super annoying, like personality flaws. Just there's a lot of things that go into stuff and we may have to suffer one another. There might be unpleasantness. There might be injury. I want you to think about that today. You're signing up to follow Jesus Christ and for whatever reason, we think when we do this, when we join the church, that it's going to be perfect and we're walking into heaven on this golden brick road and it's all laid out before us. It's going to be this fabulous stroll in the park walk. And it's not. It was never portrayed to be that way. And there's going to be injury along the way. There are going to be people who are going to hurt you. Like There, there are going to be people who are supposed to be good Christian people who aren't supposed to hurt you, but they will hurt you. You know this in your own personal life. The people that you love and that you should be able to trust the most. Family members, um, teachers, coaches, pastors. I was talking about this with another guy the other uh, couple, couple days ago in Greenville. And we were talking about the people who you love and trust the most are the ones who will hurt you the most, right? That's probably the people who's hurt you the most in your life. And that's the way it happens. And there will be times where you walk through this journey and you're part of the body of Christ where you're going to get hurt. And we said last week, you got to be careful not to just take your ball and go home and say, well, if it's the way it's going to be, I'm not going to do this because you have to remember that your calling goes above and beyond your comfort. That Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died. He suffered injury. He endured a lot for us to be called his children and to be a part of the body of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4-7, through 7, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he says, For he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. There's some of you in here this morning, you have suffered a great deal through various things in your life. And you need to know this morning that God has provided you the opportunity to be comforted so that you can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. See the difference in attitude? 
Today, if we suffer because of Christianity or Christ, it makes us want to give up and walk away. You look in the New Testament and the epistles and the apostles that are writing all this stuff, and they're talking about being happy about suffering in the name of Christ, and they wore it as a badge of honor, and they looked forward to it, which is really weird. Like, I know it's weird. Like, you're sitting here this morning, you're like, that's dumb. Normal people don't do that. No, normal people don't do that. Followers of Christ do that. It's weird. We're not supposed to be like everyone else. Verse 6, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort that God gives us. See the relationship? That everything that we're enduring, everything that happens, everything that's happening, we're in it together. That everything that happens to us, the way that we serve Christ, it's all an example for other people to be able to follow. We provide sustenance for one another. You know, you think about you as many of you in here are parents. Like, your parents sustain you. You sustain your children. One day, hopefully, your children will sustain their children. Like, it's a natural process of life. And inside the body of Christ, it should be very similar. You know, when I got saved and I wasn't a Christian, the first time I came around, I'm pretty sure I came to church with a black eye my very first Sunday. And I had people who sustained me. They, they cared for me. They welcomed me in. Nobody ever brought it up. I was like, God, all these people's going to ask, that. how did I get this black eye? Nobody ever asked. They welcomed me in. Thankfully, I had people who sustained me, who welcomed me in, who loved me. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. And we're called to do the same for others. And hopefully the people that we sustain will in return sustain people to come in the future. It's the only way the church lasts. It's the only way the church grows. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, last one. It says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. You're living in a day and time where the body of Christ is needed now more than ever. You're heard is needed now more than ever. Your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ is needed now more than ever. As followers of Jesus Christ, if you want to live for Him and serve Him and you really want to grow with Him, you need to understand that pairing yourself up with people who love Jesus and want to grow like you do is going to be so instrumental in the maturity of your faith. If you deny yourself that, you're robbing yourself of one of the greatest gifts that God has given you. Don't cheat yourself out of one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for this time together and for the opportunity to worship you and to read your word. Jesus, I pray that as we leave here today, that, Father, we would devote ourselves to you. And, God, we would also devote ourselves to one another. To know that when we walk out today, every person that passes us or every person that we pass, every hand we shake, every neck we hug, 
Lord, these are our brothers and sisters. These are the people that we are going to spend eternity with as we worship and serve you. I pray, God, that you would remind us of the bond we have with one another, to be thankful for one another, and God, to lift up and support one another. Jesus, we thank you, and we love you, and we ask all this in your name. All God's people said, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.